All right. <laughs> hey, welcome to another episode of Survival Mode. I have, uh, I am super honored. Uh, sometimes I just find people that I connect with and I'm like, you would be awesome at sharing your story. And Survival Mode is really a podcast, really sharing people's uh, experience, strength, and hope, kind of get a gut punch. They're in somewhat of a survival mode, but you know what, how they get through the other side, turning their mess or so-called mess into the biggest message. And I love Nikki Sacco's story. And she, I'm not going to steal her thunder by any stretch. Um, I am super excited to have her on. Welcome, Nikki. How are you today? Thank you. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. So, Nikki, tell us a little bit about who you are and then leading up to, you know, kind of your, you know, a, a diagnosis that I feel um, is really prevalent. You know, working in healthcare, mm -hmm. uh, I've seen more and more of it than I care to even think about. And a, a, a few friends have it. And, um, you know, it, it is it is breast cancer. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But I, when I when I saw your story, when I was kind of following you a little on Facebook, I was like, you know, I really want to touch this topic more. Mm -hmm. And because it just seems like so many people are like, you know, opposite. it's like a, a disgusting explosion of it, isn't it? it it's I just I'm just really surprised. And it, it's kind of like a head scratcher, like what's going on in our world now that has this increase. And um, so tell, tell me a little bit about you, you know, a little bit about, you know, kind of your a little bit of upbringing, a little bit about, you know, your kind of younger path and your career path up until you know, what was going on? I want to hear all about it. Yeah. So I grew up in West Haven, Connecticut, um, on the, on the water. I'm a water girl. You know, my dad had a sailboat. Um, we had the ocean across the street and we had a pool in our backyard. Right. So there was four of us growing up. I have two older brothers and a younger sister. Um, we're all close. You know, my oldest brother is like seven years older than me, but, um, it worked out great because he started having kids and I became like the cool aunt. So I was able to, you know, always kind of keep up with the family and watch the kids. And it was just, we had a great upbringing. We lived in a great neighborhood, tons of kids, always busy, sports everywhere, big hockey family. Um, we, we called it the pond. There was like a little area where like the water would sit right by the beach. Um, I don't know if you know where Jimmy's is, but there's like the Sa Savin Rock is right there. And yep. so like the water would collect and then like the fire trucks would um, unload like the extra water. So we would get like this, it looked like a cool pond and we'd go down there, shovel it off and we'd be down there skating all day long. I mean, my parents literally had to like come and get us because we weren't, <laughs> we weren't leaving. The good um, old days, right? The good old days. So if I wasn't in the water, I was skating on the water, right? Um, I wasn't like a, I never became a swimmer or anything like that. I always did dancing. I always did cheerleading soccer. We played a lot of soccer. Um, I was always busy, always, always busy. I did kickboxing and then, um, you know, that was 
after I got married, I did kickboxing, but, um, yeah, just always, always busy. And then, um, I became an x-ray technologist. That's my, that's my, you know, nine to five and I'm a certified health coach as well. Um, which I ended up doing the health coaching because I ended up with Hashimoto's. Um, I told you this right about, I think it was like 2016 was the final, was the actual diagnosis. Um, I was a kickboxing instructor. Um, I, yeah, I was training in, uh, Kramaga, Kramaga, Hapkido. Um, I tried a little Kali, like I was just in it. I loved it. I was there. I, you know, I had gone through a divorce. I was a single mom. I walked into this MMA studio and I was like, I don't know if I, I don't know why I'm doing this. I was like one of the only women at the time, right? I think it was like maybe four of us. And the next thing I know, I was obsessed. I was there for hours when I could be. Um, when my daughter would go see my ex-husband, I would be at this MMA studio just going at it, right? So yeah. it was great. And then- I love it. We can even pause there for a minute because you know, I've oh, done- God. Kamaga, BJJ, Yes, yes. Uh, I, you know, it, it was, it, it's just a great thing. And a lot of people now, like I listen to a lot of podcasts. I'm a huge fan of like Jocko. They all talk about BJJ and just right. being able, and it's good for the mindset. And also it's good to be able to, you know, it, you learn this, so you don't have to use it. You relax. don't have to use it. Right. <laughs> relax your body. Right. The way society's going today, <laughs> I think more and more people are starting to open their minds and their eyes to it. But that's pretty awesome for sure. It was so awesome. And it was just so great. I actually enrolled my daughter in classes when she was younger. And um, she would she would sit and watch me, you know, whether we were doing gun disarms or knife disarms. I would say to her, you know, don't get nervous. This is just everybody should be cautious and aware, you know. And, and it was just a great time because all the stuff that was just going on in society. It was good for my daughter to see it's okay to be a woman and be strong and take care of your own. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. And that you don't just go and use it anywhere. Like you said, you, you know, you only use it if you absolutely need it. But, um, you know, I, so I go from training like hours in a day and all of a sudden I'm exhausted and I end up in the doctor's office, long story short, end up with the Hashimoto, Hashimoto's diagnosis. And, she, and at that point they were like, listen, you're stuck in like a fight and flight mode. We need to calm you down. So I went back to the running, the hiking, you know, I was, I was doing like insanity too for a while. Cause I just have too much energy and I needed to move. Right. Um, still doing the kettlebells. I was doing kettlebells and things seemed to be doing okay. I was getting straightened out. And then, um, 2019, I had my, my youngest daughter and, um, and there was some postpartum depression. Um, Started, I wasn't really feeling great. So I ended up going to see another natural path. And um, she was a little concerned about having high metals in my, you know, in my body. And, and so she said, well, you know, we have to figure out where they're coming from and switch up my diet a little bit more, um, switched up my cookware, um, did all this stuff. Levels were coming down. She was like, okay, maybe it was just, hmm. um, you know, you, you end up with these toxins in your body, I ended up doing a cleanse. And I seemed to be doing fine. I was doing fine. Um, I was talking to a therapist. Mentally, I was coming around. Everything was just like finding its way. And then, you know, COVID hit. So that was fun. 
So um, I, got a, I got a question. So yeah, let's get back to the Hashimoto's. I know we were talking about it. Like you're doing Krav Maga, you're fighting, yeah. which you're doing, you know, Kali, you're, you're just getting after it. Right. Yeah. And I'm a huge fan of getting after it. Right. And the reason why I'm kind of backing up, cause this reminds me of me I, when I was talking to you, I'm like, you're a female version of me. <laughs> so <laughs> and it's awesome. not just about the fighting. It's just about like, Hey, I was on hyperdrive. You know what I mean? And exactly. So you went to a natural path and she was basic. Was it a he or she? She, yeah. yeah. So she was saying, Hey, listen, some of your levels are off the chart. We got to kind of slow things down. Right. Right. So just, just kind of a pause. That's kind of what I got out of my diagnosis. Like, I'm like, I felt like I was dr driving with the foot on the gas and the brake at the same time. Like, I oh, exactly. Reflect in my life. I'm like, not that, you know, I'm very motivated. I do a lot of different things and I continue to, but I also, there was some kind of energy around it that I had to look at, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, so your natural path said, Hey, we got to kind of slow things down a little bit. So, uh, oh yeah. How did you slow things down a little bit? More hiking, getting out in nature. And, you know, I went back to, um, jogging, not, not really running. Right. Um, just jogging when I felt if, if I was walking, I'd love to walk, but yeah. you know, even with this, like, even with walking, right. For an example, like angry walking. I would, I would walk so fast and yeah, I'm smiling and I'm saying hi to everybody, but it was like angry walking, you know, it was like super fast. There was no slowing down. There was no like appreciating the exact moment that I was in. It was more like, well, what am I going to do tomorrow? And like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like thinking about things that happened in the past, I was just so, like you said, like on like hyperdrive, like it was just ridiculous. And so, yeah, so I started doing a lot more of the hiking and um, jogging. I was still doing kettlebells and I was trying to stretch more. I did yoga for a while. Um, and yeah, I would be calm in the moment. But then, you know, I'm working in a fast placed orthopedic office. Like you don't slow down there. So even if you wanted to have that moment, <laughs> It lasts maybe five seconds and you're like, Hey, I've got 30 patients waiting. Let's go. So, you know, it just never really, I never slowed down. I did not slow down until I had to deal with this breast cancer. That's when I slowed down. And it's really kind of, you know, it's a really crappy journey to be on, but it's a life lesson that opened up so many doors and actually made me do I'm doing so much inner work right now it's not even funny like you know it's not I don't want to focus on what I did wrong or what happened or how did I end up like this because that honestly got it, it gets me nowhere when, when I get in that mode and I think like that I'm not helping myself I'm actually just keeping myself where I am and it's not not a healthy space right so I just I don't push through. I just sit and I think about it and I'm like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. Why am I feeling this way? How can I kind of breathe through this moment and then move on to the next? And honestly, without the breast cancer, I don't know that I would be in this space right now. I think I would still be on 
that semi hyperdrive, like go, go, go mode still. It's yeah. insane. It's really crazy. You know, I could so relate to what you're sharing. And that's why I named the podcast. Like I was, I was like, let me figure out what the podcast name was, should be. And I said survival mode because I felt like I was living in survival mode when I didn't really need to, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you're right. Like I was at the same point, like, I was like, holy cow, like, what's this here to teach me rather than kind of go down this rabbit hole? So talk to me about, so basically you have Hajimoto's, right? Right. They look at some metals, they look at some detox. And that's the other thing I started to look at too, because I had a brain tumor, right? And I'm like, what's this about? Like, you know, I where, did it, where does it come from? Right. Well, you know, it's like no family history. Everyone starts Nothing. to think about all this stuff. Right. So I'm like, okay, what am I eating? What I, I actually looked at my detergent, my dishwasher, yes. my case, all that stuff. And I'm I, right there with you. <laughs> and then I stopped, I gotta be honest with you. I stopped using my microwave. I cooked all my food on the, t- on the, you know, all of this stuff I started to think about. And I was never like that before, but it, you never know. Like you don't I, know. To this day, I I try to use clean label products. I research companies. I I use certain things. So anyway, so you're you're leading up to that. You kind of detox. So what's next? Like where? So we're- the good thing is during all of this, I never stopped with my physicals and and all my doctor's appointments. Right. Um, because I, I knew I had this inflammation that would, you know, I I would be fine. I would have a great workout right on a Monday. And then for, for two or three days, I would be dragging myself out of bed. And I was like, you know what? I got to just keep up with it. I got to figure out, I got to see whoever I can and just kind of put it all together. So you go for your appointments, you know, as a woman, you go to your OBGYN and, you know, you have your pap every year. And then I'm, I'm 41 years old when I have Gracie. So you have your mammogram at 40, but I, you know, I was pregnant at 40 and then I was nursing at 41. And then at 42, you had to wait six months after you stopped nursing. Right. So I just stopped nursing. I'm almost, I'm just about 43. Well, that's in the middle of a pandemic. So now mammo is kind of, is really kind of closed off, right? You don't, it's, it's not something that they want people going in and out of. So they pushed all these appointments back. So now I'm pushed back six months. I go in September, beginning of September for my very first mammogram, never had one before, very first one. And within a few days, I get a phone call saying, your mammogram lit up like a Christmas tree, pretty much. And, um, you know, they found some things that they didn't like to see. And because I never had one before, what are we seeing? Right. So I'm like, all right, well, you know, I don't have any family history, right. I'm eating clean. I don't, I, I, I drink occasionally. Like I'm same thing as you. I don't heat things up in, in plastic, let alone keep them in the fridge in plastic. Everything's going to be in glass. I'm, I'm like a nut. So and because I already switched my cookware, I mean, I'm, I'm running down the mill of stuff. What can it be? What can it be? So I go in, I had three biopsies on my left breast. And can I tell you the day that I left there, I looked at Jamie, 
my spouse and I said, I don't have a good feeling about this, honey. And he's like, what? And I said, I just, something's off. I just don't have a good feeling. And so the biopsies came back. Um, all three were positive for um, cancer. Um, so I had to meet with, with a breast oncologist um, and a surgeon at the time. And I elected for a double mastectomy, even though they found it in one side, they found it in my left, but there was a slight shadow on the right. I'm 43 years old at this time. And I'm saying to myself, um, I want them both gone. In my mind, in that survival mode, I was like, get it out, cut it out, get it out of me now. I have two girls, 16 and three, that I need to be here for, and I don't have time for this. So let me ask you, when you first heard that it was positive in cancer, how was that delivered and what, what were you thinking? So the radiologist I spoke to was absolutely wonderful. She was just like, you know, my oldest daughter had been, um, was at my parents' house. Um, I had just dropped her off and I was heading home. Um, I live a half an hour away from there. Now I live in Meriden now. Um, so I was driving, I had the baby in the back and I'll never forget it. The highway was jammed up. And I so I went these back roads through the farm's home. And um, I got the phone call and it was like, I knew. I saw the number. I knew it was a Yale number. And I'm like, this isn't good. So I pull into this brand new neighborhood and Gracie, the baby, had just fallen asleep. This kid doesn't nap, right? She's like a monster. She, she takes a nap this day. I'm like, okay, everything's just falling into place. And I, and I answer the phone and she says, Nick, you know, she, they knew I worked in x-ray. They knew I had medical knowledge. Um, she said, I'm just going to tell you. She's like, I'm sorry. She's like, but all three came back positive. And I was like, okay. I'm like, all right. And she's like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm okay. I'm okay. And she actually said, where are you? And what are you doing? I said, my little one's sleeping in the back of the car and I'm pulled over in a neighborhood. And she's like, are you okay getting home? And for a doctor to say, hey, are you okay getting home? I was like, I could have hugged this woman over the phone. I said, yeah, I'm fine. I'll be all right. Um, you know, I'm a little tougher than what people think. And so she's like, okay. She's like, all right. She's like, if you need anything, you contact me and I will help you out. And I was like, okay, wonderful. Hang up the phone. And I was just like shaking, um, called Jamie. And I was like, and they're all positive. And he's like, it's okay. It's all right. He's like, I love you. He's like, you're going to be okay. We're going to figure this out. We're going to get through this. And I'm like, okay. And I did not want to tell Miley, who's my oldest daughter, um, until I knew exactly what was going to be done. So, and so I did say that I said, you know what, we'll sit down and we'll tell her together. Um, you know, he's a nurse, Jamie's a nurse. So I said, you know, better than me. And I am in no state of mind right now to figure out when do I tell people and how do I tell people? Cause I'm very blunt and I'm just to the point where like, you know, people ask now like, Oh, your haircut's so great. Where do you get it cut? And I'm like, Oh, this is a haircut straight from God. Like I lost my hair from chemo, you know, um, just straight into the point. So, you know, we did, we had to do the whole thing where once I figured out that I was meeting with the breast oncologist and I had that meeting and 
I knew I was having this major surgery and I knew that there was three areas that I had to be concerned about. Um, you know, there was a lymph node that they thought was involved at, at that time as well. Um, so had it, if it was, if it hit the lymph nodes, I knew I was screwed. Um, if it stayed where it was, then I knew I had a heck of a lot more of a fighting chance. So make a long story short, I go in for the double mastectomy. They pulled um, two lymph nodes and my lymph nodes were clean. Um, but one of the tumors was much larger than the MRI and the biopsy showed. Okay. And it was closer, closer to my chest wall. Um, and since it was so close to the chest wall, they decided chemo and radiation would be the best course. So, you know, I mean, the double mastectomy was hard enough. Honestly, the weird thing was I thought I was going to be really freaked out about losing my breasts and I wasn't. Okay. I totally wasn't. I think in my mind, I was like, you know what? The cancer's gone. They cut it out, get it away from me. So I was in that mode. So I was totally fine with that. It was the other stuff of, I couldn't hug my kids. Mm. Like I couldn't raise my arms above my head. Drains coming out of me. You know, my little one, I had to keep kind of like put, pushing her away because I, I couldn't have her pulling my drains out. Um, I can't cook. I can't clean. I can't work. I can't run. I can't do the workouts that I normally do. I did not know who I was. I was losing Nikki. Mm -hmm. Didn't know who I was. Um, I love this. I love this. It was really tough. It was it, really, really tough. It kind of broke you down a little bit, right? It really honestly did. And I have to say, like, before this little excuse of French shit would set me off. Like, it would set me off flying. Because I was, like, ready. I was ready, right? I was, you know, when I was coaching other people, I was completely calm. I was fine. I was like, hey, you're doing great. But I wasn't really walking my own walk, right? I wasn't practicing what I was preaching. And like, you know, driving back and forth 40 minutes every day, dropping the baby off, picking her up. You know, Jamie works two twelves, two eights, but his eights can easily become 10, 12 hours, right? Yep. Yeah, um, too. yeah, 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 you get it. So like the draw, I was dropping off and picking up because I'm in stable nine to five, right? So um, it was all getting to me and it like little things would set me off. Well, now all of a sudden, I don't even know who I am anymore. And I was like, you could have punched me in the face and I would have been like, oh, okay, great. How are you doing? How's your day going? Nothing. Not like, it was like nothing phased me. I just, I just didn't care about stuff anymore. Um, in that sense, it was more like, okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to keep my teenager who's just been home for a year? Self teach, like self teaching herself, right? Self taught because she's learning from home <laughs> through a pandemic that I'm still working through. Jamie's working through and, you know, he works in, he's, he's in the EP lab. He does electrophysiology. Um, so he's standing above patients, you know, they're breathing on them. I'm, you know, at least with ortho, we only did emergency cases in an outpatient office. So I wasn't subjected to as much which was a blessing in disguise because I had been, you know, I ended up with this diagnosis. 
Um, but I'm thinking to myself, how do I keep my girls from feeling all this? And what do I want to show them? How, how, how do I take this really crappy moment and tell them you're still safe? Everything's okay. Mommy's still here. We're going to do, we're going to be all right. That was tough. What did you come up with with that? Because that's a powerful, powerful question. You know, I, I, Miley and I, my, my oldest daughter and I have very deep conversations in our drive home. It's, you know, 30 to 40 minutes on any given day. And, um, you know, I just said straight out to her, I'm like, how, how do you feel? What, what's going on in your head? A teenage girl, her mom's got breast cancer. She's in high school. She's got a little sister. And that was her first thing was, I don't know what to do with Gracie. And I said, Gracie's not your responsibility. You know, your responsibility is telling me how you feel at all times and being upfront and being honest. If it's going to be hard for you to see me this way, my parents are in West Haven, 30 minutes away. Just stay with me, mom, pop. And so she did. She stayed with my mom and my dad and for the most part. And it honestly, I think helped her a lot um, to, to not have to sit there and see me kind of wash away for a little bit, right? I mean, I did well. I did better than most during chemo. I hiked most of chemo. Um, I rode, we, we ended up buying a bike during the pandemic, which worked out great. So I was on the bike downstairs in the basement during chemo. Um, but there were days where I couldn't move during chemo. I couldn't lift my head off the pillow because I just was so dizzy. I just was afraid to fall. Right. Yep. And there was no question. She would take her little sister and she would keep her busy and, um, I would, you know, tell her, oh, you know, just throw this in the crock pot. We're going to just have chicken for dinner tonight and literally leave instructions for her. And she, she here's this kid, like kind of taking over everything. Jamie had to work. You can only take so much leave, right? You have to put your time in and then you could take your leave with your spouse. Um, <laughs> the balance was super tough, but you know, we came, we came together as a family and we got through this together as a family. And um, so my first chemo was in December and I lost my hair. I started losing my hair two weeks after my very first chemo. So that was the other thing sitting down and, um, you know, I cut my hair short and, but I said to Jamie, I said, um, I can't do this. I can't keep watching this hair fall on my head. Like uh, it's, it's gotta go. So he said, okay. So off it went and, and Miley was there and the, and the baby was there. And I think it kind of made it easier for them to kind of be like, you know, I'm sitting in the chair. I didn't cry. I was mad. I was mad that the hair was still there. I wanted the, the hair gone. Um, mm -hmm. It was my way. I think it was my control because I decided that I'm going to get rid of my hair. We're like, I didn't have any control over like, Hey, you have breast cancer. Right. But this was my control. Um, so, you know, I, Jamie shaved my head and then 
I got up and he gave me a hug and he was like, I, I love it. He's like, it looks great. And he's like, okay, my turn. And so I shaved his head. So we had matching haircuts there for quite a while. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, it was. So I, I love, I love the honesty and the transparency with, with your kids. Um, I, you know, I, I'm a nurse, so, and I've worked with some breast cancer patients, you know, in home care. And I, I'll never forget, I went to a, a relatively younger woman who had it, young kids and her husband was there. And this was after my brain surgery, you know, when I was working and it was, and I almost, I felt like I wanted to cry because it touched a part of me that, you know, when you, you get this diagnosis, you're, you're really faced with a mortality issue. And I was mm -hmm. just like, wow, you know, this is a lot for this family. And I could really empathize, you know, I don't have breast cancer and that's why I love, you know, being, you're sharing your experience with this. And I'm sure a lot of people have kids and have gone through this. But the one thing that I kind of love about your story was that you were just really honest and, you know, I think in our society now that, you know, we try to shelter so many things and try to make it easy for our kids. But I think, you know, getting back to your story growing up playing hockey and being on the pond and, and myself included, like, you know, I talked to a lot of my friends, we just, we we're gone all day, right? But yeah. we're able to deal with challenges and come up with resources and build some resilience as a kid and I yes. think that is you know and, and this is a little sidebar but not is you know we have to deal with hard things and that was one of the things that I told myself through it because I you know I'm a health coach I'm a transformational life coach and my mantra is I say this to myself we do hard things and I do it we do hard yes. things and this is what, this is a hard thing, right? It's a hard thing. It is. It's so hard. I literally, the first, after I got diagnosed, the first thing I did was pull out a journal and wrote down every wish that I wanted. God forbid something happened to me. What do I want for my girls? What do I want for Jamie? What do I want for my parents? Um, my, my ex-mother-in-law, I even wrote something for her. Like, what do I want to leave behind if I don't make it through this? Because I got to tell you, I mean, the first two chemo treatments I had, I had a full reaction. I stopped breathing, um, which isn't uncommon for the type of chemo that I've had. Um, you know, they, they stopped the chemo right away. They got me back to where I needed to be. I was okay. Um, and I did finish the chemo that I started, which was unbelievable. Um, but you know, two infections after that, um, multiple surgeries, and you just wonder, like at one point I was just sitting there during radiation and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. You know, my skin was burned. I'm going to work. Patients are like, you know, capable of doing things on their own, but they want you to do it for them. And I'm looking at them like, I can't, I physically can't, you know, but I'm still pushing through and I'm still doing this. And I was like, you know what? I'm not a quitter. Like I don't quit. Like I got to figure out how to make this work. I cannot do this. If I start sinking into this and I start getting stuck in my head, I'm never going to get through breast cancer. 
this isn't going to happen for me. And so, you know, I took a deep breath and I called a therapist and I said, I need a little more right now. I need somebody to kind of help me through it. And more breathing exercises, more yoga. And I, here I am, here I am. I'm doing it. I just had my last crazy surgery, you know, 14 hours of surgery, three weeks post-op. I'm walking a mile and a half. Like it's all possible. It's, it's really possible. Even when you're stuck in that hellhole where you're just like, I, I, how much more can hit me? And then you're like, no, you know what? Take a deep breath. It's okay. Like, just what am I going to get out of this? Turn it around. What am I going to get out of this? What am I learning from this? And it was to slow the hell down. <clears throat> Smell the damn roses. Enjoy That's the it. little moments. We are kindred spirits. That's exactly <laughs> what I got out of mine. I'm like, so back to your story. You shared this before. Like, hey, I eat clean. Like, look, look. Like I, I eat, eat clean. clean. People look at me like, oh my God, you're great. Like, why the hell did this happen? Oh, my and mom says it all the time. She's like, how did this happen? How? Oh, we don't know, mom. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. And so I love that because I, I had a good friend. I was going through this. He's a super great friend. And I posted on Facebook, right? Like, yeah. And I couldn't put into words what I was feeling. But I was like, this is what I'm feeling. And he helped me, right? Right. So he asked me this question. And this is before my surgery, just after my diagnosis. He goes, what are you thinking about? <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, potentially looking down the barrel of a shotgun, a lot of question marks, lots of things, right? And I said, I said, you know what? There's nothing... $200,000 or a million dollars or anything anyone can give me with money would help at this point. Right. You right. know what? I mean? You're, that, like that stuff doesn't matter. Right. No, you go in the lotto and be like, whatever. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. And I sat there and I said, you know, am I, what am I here for? Like, these are the questions. Like, yep. am I doing God's work here? And I sat with myself, I said, partially, yeah, but I could be doing more, right? right? And so one of the things that I learned, and I want to hear your experience about this was, was the same thing was like eating good, taking care of myself, working, contributing, like relationships are okay, right? Right. But the biggest thing was I was, Gas pedal, brake, same time, cranking through life and not smelling the darn roses. Seriously, like the, the stress level, uh, like I had to be setting that off. My coworkers had to feel the stress before, you know, the diagnosis when I was just going and going and going. I mean, they had to feel it. Nobody really said anything to me. Um, and I wish they kind of did, right? But like now... I feel like more of my coworkers are like, just, they laugh because I'm just like, you know, eh, whatever. And I, and I don't mean it in like, I don't care. I do care. Like I want the best for everybody that I'm around. I yeah. want them to feel good when they're around me. I want them to feel safe when they're around me. I want them to feel encouraged when they're around me, not stressed out, you know, um, and just like, you know, like a black cloud. Right. Um, but like, you know, we laugh about things now and I, and I, and I just look at them and I think in my head, like, 
oh my God, a year and a half ago, I would have taken this to heart. I would have buried it deep. I would have pushed it down and I would have stressed about it. Bills, money, right? Like something somebody said to me three years ago would bother me. Now all of a sudden I'm just like, are you okay? Is there anything I can help you with? Like, I'm in a good place. I'm kind of peaceful. Like, I don't want people to feel that way. I don't want women to go through what I went through. And if there's anything that I can do to kind of guide them in a, in a better way, I, that's what I want to do. That's really what I want to do. That's, that's, that's amazing. And so you got, you hit this part, right? Yeah. And you're like, you weren't smelling the roses. Like at what point, like, what did you really take in from this? Like at your dark, at your lowest point, like, what did you, like, what, what came to you? Um, I, I need to be here. I'm, I'm, I was missing something that I need to do. Um, and it's funny because I work with trauma patients a lot. Right. And I always say like, some of them tell me their story and I'm like, and I always say, Oh my God, your story's not done yet. You're here for a reason. This is like, right. And so we always talk about it. And I sat back and I said, Oh my God, this is my story. There's a reason for this. There's a lesson and I'm here to help other people. I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. I love, um, I love that. Yeah. And you know, it's like, even I remember at one point stressing about bills, I took out a loan. I'm not gonna be able to pay this off. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I was so worried and I was staying up at night and this was during my treatment and Jamie like just held me and he looked at me and he's like, I want you here, Nikki. I need you here. I want you here. This is not important anymore. Stop worrying about this. You know? And then even my parents said it like, you're stressing about the wrong stuff. And it was the beginning of the, I don't even care. Like, I'm just going to let it go. Cause it's a, bills are always, bills are always going to be there. You know, you're always going to owe money some, somehow, some way, even when you have all that you can possibly have, you owe something in some sort of way to some person. Right. Um, (laughs) right. Right. Whether it's emotional or it's physical. Um, And I just was so done with it. And I was like, you know what? He's right. Like, I really need to be here and I need to be present. I need to be present. I need to be in the moment. I need to stop worrying about what's going to happen and what already happened. And I need to learn to live in the present. And the peace that I feel now, I, you know, I went to the University of Hawaii for like a summer semester. Let me put it this way. And you know, Connecticut life is busy, 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 go, 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 right? Then you go out there and it was like, everything is 15 Hawaiian minutes. (laughs) So (laughs) do you know this, right? I've been there. Yeah, 15 Hawaiian minutes could be 15 minutes or an hour and 45 minutes. You just never know. And But (laughs) at that point in my life, like I had met these kids who were like surfing at six in the morning and here I am in the water not knowing what I'm doing and I'm figuring it out. And even when I'm falling off and even when I can't get up on the wave at first and I'm frustrated because I'm like, I'm one of those people who usually when I try something, I, I can do it. Right. And so finally I, I start getting the waves 
and I'm getting cockier and cockier by the minute, right? And the, and the kids are like, you're going to fall. You're going to get hurt. Well, I did. I fell and I got tangled up. My hair was so long, got tangled up in some coral. I'm kicking, I'm stuck underwater. And I'm like, you know what? I took a nice deep breath. And I was thinking to myself, all right, just calm down. I swam right back up, got myself out of the situation. And, you know, here I am like now currently I'm thinking to myself, Remember when you were 19 years old and you were in Hawaii and you got stuck underwater, tangled up, and you took that deep breath and you felt that peace and you felt that calm? That's what I need to bring. That's the level I need to be at right now in my life. And I need to keep it there. I love it. So I love it. I went to, you know, just a sidebar. I went to Hawaii, but I also had a job where I traveled across the country, right? Right down south out west california they have a different mindset right they totally do and they could spot a new englander or northern (laughs) a mile away it's just from the way we walk (laughs) and (laughs) And, and talk really we're fast talkers right and we're (laughs) and i started to look outside of this like oh my god like i'm it's just, it's just a lot, right? And it is a lot. Much. We are too much up here. If you're, in the <laughs> we really are. We and really I'm like, are. Jesus. And th- and that was the big, a big learning. And this was a while ago. It didn't, it, you know, obviously it still, still had it and it's learning, you know, we have to learn to rewalk again. So let me ask you, how did you start to learn or what was the catalyst that helped you with becoming present and more? Cause I think people struggle with this myself. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, I still am working on it. Um, I started doing more inner work, you know, um, why was I feeling certain ways and why, why was I thinking about things that happened so long ago? that I thought I was over, right? I mean, why am I still there? And what, why couldn't I just let it go? Did I need to forgive myself? Did I need to, was I, did I not complete the lesson? Did I not? I, and I think that was most of it was I didn't complete the lesson or I, I put it on me. I put somebody else's issues on me and I, buried it down and I just kept pushing it down. And so little by little, like even just getting up in the morning and looking in the mirror and saying one nice thing about myself, you know, I lost my hair. I lost my breasts. I lost my eyelashes and my eyebrows. I lost who I was, but I gained a closer relationship with my family all around, not just, you know, the girls and Jamie, but my parents, my siblings. everybody, my friends, my coworkers, I, I gained closer relationships with people. Um, I was more honest and I talk now where before it was like, yeah, I would post things here and there about Hashimoto's or whatever. Right. But now it's like, I just feel like I will keep yelling and shouting on the rooftop until I reach enough people to make a difference. And so that's kind of where my drive is right now. Um, I keep, you know, I come up with these great, I was just talking to another uh, friend of mine who's a nutrition coach. And I was even saying to her, it's like, I come up with these great ideas. And then usually what happens is I get like so overwhelmed by them that I back down. 
right? But now it's like, I want to get like a woman's run going and I don't know what I'm doing and, you know, but I want women to realize that there are health coaches out there. There are nutrition coaches out there. There are personal trainers out there. There are, you know, pelvic therapy um, people out there. Like there are all these resources for women um, that they really need to do. And, and moms right now, I feel like are just so overburdened with things, things. It's not even just work and home life and kids and being a spouse and like, and doing the things it's, it's who has ballet, who has cheerleading, who has soccer, who has hockey, who, why, why do we have to do all this? Why, why do moms and dads have to do all this? You know, and I think that contributes a lot to our stress and our health right now. It's almost like we have to kind of rein it in and bring it back to basics. Your kid could do one sport and completely be fine. You know what I mean? They can ride their bikes in the neighborhood and come back home when the streetlights come on. Like we kind of got to chill Get out. Back a to bit. The, back to the way, you know what? You bring up a point and I was just talking to my girlfriend's daughter about this is like us giving everything to our kids you know, does not serve them. It doesn't. And it's, and eventually, and we could have a whole topic on this. It's going to come full circle back where we're going to be in a suffer mode and, and, you know, great people come out of hard times because it forces us to, and that's why I've done this. Like it's in our biggest challenges that the lessons are learned, the growth happens and all of this. And I share this on a podcast and I hate to, I I hate to do it, but you might relate to this is I literally, when I did, how I deal with things is like, let me deal with the worst case scenario. And once I could cope with that, everything else is gravy. (laughs) That's what I do. (laughs) So the worst case scenario is dying, right? Right. I'm going to die. So I started listening to like, uh, people that, you know, have died and come back near life. Yeah. All this stuff. And then I listened and then, you know, I started connected to my spiritual side, you know, I'm a spiritual person. I believe in God. I'm a Christian. So I watched the whole Bible series while I'm like, (laughs) and that affects your mindset. And I sat there and I talked to some of my Christian friends. I go, you know, I watched that whole thing. And there was just a tremendous amount of suffering in like through the Bible. Oh yeah. And I just listened to a podcast. It was a great podcast about a guy I'm into the military stuff. And he he talks about that life is, there is an element of suffering. And I think in our society today, we, everything needs to be great and we always need to feel good. And there are hard times that we go through. Um, the, The toxic positivity, that yeah. be going on like everything's always great it's great to be encouraging and be motivated and to have these times but there are times that you're going to feel like crap exactly and and it's okay it's okay it's normal like it is. it is so normal and if you don't say something about it you're not going to get anywhere you're going to stay in that mode and you're going to get stressed out and guess what you're going to be the next one getting um diagnosed with some kind of cancer you know i mean it's just it's just so important. Like all these resources, they're out there, but people just don't know about it or they don't want to wake up and see it. Right. 
you, yeah. you go to the doctor, you take a medication, you're just giving you medications. That's great, right? It's great. You have to control your blood pressure. You need your insulin for your diabetes. You know, I need my Synthroid for my thyroid issues, right? Okay, great. But there's stuff behind that. It's not just the pill. You got to do the work. You, you got to do the work. You got to do the work. I believe that diet is foundational. I do. And right. I, I, I so believe in that. And, and then that's the base. But to, with the things you shared today and a lot, what I have gone through, it, it's stress, mindset. Like that's the biggest missing piece that I needed to learn. It is. It really is. And, and, you know, you stare, you stare at your, your death, right? I mean, you get a cancer diagnosis, even though I was stage one B, like I'm in breast cancer groups and there are people on there that lost someone at stage one, at stage one, it's possible. You just don't know. You just, I mean, you don't know day from day what's going to happen anyways, but you get a diagnosis such as cancer and you have to sit there and you have to say to yourself, what do I want to do if this is my, if this is a limited amount of time that I have left, what do you want to do? And how, how am I going to get it out there? Yeah. And, and so that's what that, so that was my question. Like you, you look, cause you, you look at death, right? You've got no other choice. You do. Right. And so that's what you came up with. Is there anything else that kind of hit you? Um, yeah, I wasn't showing enough love. I wasn't, um, as a mom, I was, I think more towards Jamie and it wasn't like, uh, I adore him. I mean, he is my, he's my wingman. He's my partner he, in crime. He is my ride or die, you know? And yeah, like there's always the, you know, a kiss in the morning and a kiss at night and, you know, don't leave without, I made you coffee this morning. Like, you know, the little things that you can that you do, but you, you go through things like this. And it's like, if I didn't make it through this, I would have left him with questions. I don't want to leave people with questions. I want them to know straight out. I don't want to hide. I don't want emotions to scare me or to shut me down. I mean, I use them now to voice exactly how I feel. I set boundaries now that I never had before. Um, which is amazing, makes you feel like a whole new person. And I say, I love you every day to friends all over Facebook. And when I write it, I mean it. I don't just say it because they said it. I mean it. If you need me, I am here. I might not have talked to you for 10, 15, 20 years, but if you need me, I am here. And that to me, it just, it gives you a feeling of like, inner peace like the best part of you is is coming is coming up and out instead of all that stress and that crap that you buried it's the the best of you that's coming up and out you know what you brought up just an amazing point like when I did the post on, on social media and I I thought that was you know people are very down about social media but I do think there's some benefit that brings some togetherness you haven't connect with people that you you know, you normally wouldn't have connected to, right? Like right. for ever. And I'll tell you the messages that I got from people, the things on my wall, it was like a living eulogy. It was, it was amazing. But the one thing that you brought up that reminded me of, like, I remember when I first got diagnosed, I was in the, you know, I was in the hospital 
And all I wanted to do was just have a normal conversation with somebody. So I was talking to the people that were wheeling me to tests, the aides that came in. And I'm like, they're looking at me like, why are you here? Like, I'm not on a lick of medication. You know what I mean? And they're right. like, like, I must've been a nurse's dream to have me as a patient. You know what I mean? Like they didn't really like, Hey, you know, but the things that mattered were just having those conversations. And somebody reached out to me from high school that I really didn't talk too much in high school and said, I'm going through the same thing. And we wound up talking on a messenger and having a call. I could help you. We're really here to just help each other. Right. We are. Yeah. That's it. That's I love that you shared that. Cause I think that that yes. is, that's amazing. So, so where are you now? Like, so you finished another surgery, right? Yeah, I got through. So I, I've been through four surgeries, um, radiation and chemo. I'm on hormone therapy, which I'll be on for the next three years. Um, it's more, it's, it's hormone suppression is the, the three years. And then I'm on a hormone blocker. So it's a pill that I have to take for five years. Um, you know, the, the thing that does kind of worry me and this is a cancer patient talking, right? Um, there's no, like, they didn't tell me I'm in remission. They just told me that like my last surgery, they didn't see any signs of cancer. Um, so you kind of feel like you're hanging in limbo. And this, this is actually, I, I want to touch on this briefly is like through the whole cancer treatment, it's very confusing and it's your mind's all over the place, right? Like you don't know what's going on and waiting in between studies or in between treatments, you're, you're just in limbo. There's nobody there to guide you. There's nobody there. Who's, who's really telling you what the next step is. They make the doctor's appointment, which is great. You know, you have a doctor's appointment, but you don't know what's going to happen in between. And so you're, you're sitting there in your head with your thoughts and you have to be careful what you let in at that time. You have to be careful because that's where the mindset really bumps you up, picks you up, lifts you up, or pushes you down. If you get mm. stuck there down that rabbit hole, your treatment and your health can easily decline. But if you're sitting there and you just say, okay, the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to die. So if I did die, what do I want to do before I die? And you have a plan you know what the worst thing is, but you're really working towards what the best, you know, what the best thing is going to be because you're working on this plan and you're doing the things. I love it. So that's your strategy for dealing with it. That right? is my strategy. I mean, yeah. yeah, face it, look at it, face it and, and figure out what do I need to do in the meantime? Because when it comes to the healthcare system, you're in limbo. So this is up to you now. And you have to take responsibility because, you know, it's funny, I'm in, I'm in cancer groups, I, you know, I don't have cancer, but I have some good friends that um, inspired me to do this podcast that have inspired me to help through their journeys too. And, you know, I think no matter what, we have what we call scanxiety because we got, right. you know, and it's, yeah. hey, I don't know, like, and then something's going on. You're like, oh my God, is this this? Is this that? Right. And I just, you know, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. And, and for somebody that hasn't had that experience or doesn't have that diagnosis, um, they don't, it's hard for them to understand. 
you know, it, and, it really is. It and is. the other thing too, is sometimes you need to talk about it. And sometimes the people, people close to you are like, okay, you know, it, cause they think it's over. Cause they are coping on a very different level. Right. Oh okay, my God. Do this. It pisses me off. I'm not going to lie. Um, oh, it's almost over. Oh, it's over. Yeah. For you, it's over. It's for you. It's over because you you don't have to worry about the next five years of something coming back. Right. You don't have to worry every time you walk into a doctor's office for a skin check or whatever it may be that you're going to end up with a cancer somewhere else. Right. Because you didn't have to worry about it. So for you, it's over, but for the cancer patient, it's never really over, right? It's, it's never really over because you now have to work on this new you for the rest of your life. Yeah. And you don't know. So this is, and I'm sorry to kind of go along on this, but this something comes up for me. It's like, you know, people would talk to me and I'm like, you think about this. Cause I'm a goal oriented person. Um, I, I love, I work on success. I love to do a lot of different things, but you know, and we're getting older too, right? Like, right, right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm 50, like, I'll be honest, I'll throw it out here. Uh, you know, I'm 50, right? So your goals when you were younger are very different now, but you know, everyone's like, what's your three-year plan? What's your five-year plan? And this is just life goals, right? Yeah. And your plan, what's retirement look like? And so there's, there's some chinks in it now, right? right. <laughs> I totally get it. You, yeah, right I know there. you get it. Like, I'm like, like three years. How about you I just want to get through today? <laughs> exactly. And, and, you know, I, I've done some um, geriatric care management. I've done a lot of things. And before my diagnosis, and I think this was God leading me, I, I took care of a guy, super amazing guy, but he taught me the valuable lesson. He was a successful CEO. And he, um, he worked hard his whole life, retired and got a medical condition. And he goes, I worked my whole life and this is what happened. And that's why I say live. That's what, part of the reason why I do it now is live your life now. Right. And, and everybody says, well, you know, you get hit by a car tomorrow and you could you totally could totally you could don't think that's going to happen, but right. Literally, we haven't been hit by cars, but we've had something that could change the track, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And so I what I do, what I recommend, and I'm not sure you do this, is and you mentioned this about your family, whatever your support is, right now. Like I have a ton of different friends and different groups because I've done this podcast. If I'm going through a hard time, you know, and this is another benefit of social media. There's a lot of Facebook groups. There's a lot right. of things. You could pose questions. Somebody could reach out. And I have somebody, when I post something that's whatever, people send me a message like, Todd, hey, what's going on? Can you chat? I think we're, not that I think, I know we're meant to help each other out and, be, right. and build support. We need each other. We do. We need each other. We need each other. I'll tell you, you've shared a lot of amazing, amazing stuff from your story. So you're, Thank you're, you. you're, you're recovering now. Yeah. And you're, you've learned some lessons. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to share? Cause you know, the, I, I love this podcast because I love stories and hearing the stories 
you know, the, the, you know, the challenges, the growth, the learning, because somebody else could hear this and be like, oh my God, I need, I needed to hear this today, you know? Right. Um, Cause I haven't, I don't think I had anybody on that had, had breast cancer. I've had ovarian. And so I do think this is a, a topic that is, is so prevalent and a lot of women are facing a lot of different challenges. And, and I love that you were here to share your story, but any words of wisdom, anything that you feel you wanted to share? I think you covered a lot of different topics. Anything else? Yeah. You know, the, the, the main focus is you have to work on yourself. And in order to work on yourself, you need somebody who is more like an objective, right? So hire a coach, hire a coach, look for the natural path, um, whatever, find the other means, find the other ways of helping yourself, spend, spend the money. Even if, if, if you can't afford it, try to make it affordable, do whatever you can. There are coaches who will work with you out there, especially when it comes to money. We all get it, especially now in these times, right? But do, do the work, do the work and really just think about it and, and take it all in. And yeah, join, join the groups on Facebook, join the groups, even if it's just for the groups, join the groups, you're never alone. And it's literally 24 seven. Somebody's always online, right? They're always online. Don't feel like you're by yourself. Don't get stuck in limbo. Um, you could always look me up on Facebook. I'm under either um, Nikki Sacco, or um, which is N I K K I S A C C O, or I'm under um, Nikki Sack, <laughs> which is my. Um, it used to be my kickboxing, uh, my coaching uh, site, um, Facebook group. But yeah, like don't don't do this alone. Don't ever do this alone. Even if you don't have the support, like I I have crazy support, which pushed me and drove me through. If you do not find support, come find me and I will give you that support that you need. All of us will, because that's what we're here for. Absolutely. Absolutely. Reach out. You know, we're always here to help. And it, it's it's a huge mindset shifts. There's a lot of mental work. And I love that you talked about that because I think, um, like I said, diet's foundational. You know, you, can't, you, you know, it is like yeah. that's the first thing you should get in order. And the mindset is right there, obviously, and in, in creating those disciplines. And yeah, reach out to reach out to Nikki. I'd love that she shared her story here today. Feel free to to um, you know come in, you know tag me or um, yeah, reach out to me um, and find find your tribe. You know, it's uh, you know I'm old school, but Tony Robbins 101. You become the people you spend the most time with. So. Um, if you don't have that supportive family, sometimes that's not available. There are a lot of, there is a lot of support. So, so reach out and uh, get the, and look into, you know, coaching. I've always believed in it. I'm a coach myself and, um, and uh, you know, I'm really focusing on health and uh, helping people turn their story, which Nikki has an amazing story into their biggest superpower and gift to share with others. Cause it is now you can see the look, the energy there. She's sharing her story. There's something about sharing your story. That's awesome. And Nikki, uh, super grateful to have you on today. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. So 
anyway, you all have a great day and, you know, get out and uh, do hard things. (laughs) Take it easy. Thank you so much. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye.